Section 7 of Modern England by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Book 7. The New Reform Bill, 1858 to 1868. Book 7, Chapter 1. Lord Derby. An attack made by Italian refugees on the life of the Emperor Napoleon in January 1858 was the occasion for a demand from the french government that we should cease to offer facilities for the conspiracies of political exiles lord palmerston in deference to this request proposed to alter the english law of conspiracy to murder when this was rejected by a majority of nineteen he immediately resigned and was succeeded by lord derby at the head of a conservative ministry the year was occupied by various internal reforms the choice of indian civil servants by competitive examination was extended the thames was purified a telegraphic cable was laid between england and america it appeared that the question of parliamentary reform which had been stopped by the war but had never sunk into oblivion had now to be faced and Lord Derby and Mr. Disraeli braced themselves to deal with a problem which they acknowledged to be unwelcome. The reform bill introduced by Mr. Disraeli was not satisfactory. It gave the franchise to a number of different classes without resting it on any broad or comprehensive basis. A resolution proposed by Lord John Russell which expressed this feeling was carried against the government by a majority of thirty-nine ministers determined to dissolve the issue before the country was not entirely of a domestic character war had broken out between france and austria for the liberation of italy and the feeling of england was strongly with italian unity the liberals who were known to have this cause at heart were returned in a majority of fifty and immediately after parliament met ministers were compelled to resign defeated in a vote of confidence this was the sixth change of ministry which had taken place in fifteen years book seven chapter two lord palmerston lord palmerston was now prime minister with lord john russell as foreign secretary mr gladstone chancellor of the exchequer and lord granville president of the council june eighteen fifty nine the first step of the government was the conclusion of a commercial treaty with france based on principles of free trade mr cobden had been the negotiator and mr gladstone in a speech which announced a new era of financial policy expressed the long services of the free trader in language of universally accepted praise the minister attempted to satisfy the expectations of the country by bringing forward a reform bill it was as simple as its forerunner had been complicated it proposed a franchise of ten pounds in counties six pounds in boroughs and a redistribution of seats the languid interest felt in it by the premier was a sign of the indifference of the country and the bill was withdrawn in eighteen sixty one a civil war broke out in america between the northern and southern states the matters in dispute between them were many and various, but the most important point at issue was the question of slavery. The English people generally took the side of the South, partly from a supposed community of feeling 
and partly from a jealousy of America and a wish to see her dismembered. This feeling was intensified by the capture of two southern envoys while under the protection of the British flag. There was danger of war breaking out, but the northern states submitted to an ultimatum and returned the prisoners. The affair of the Trent, as this dispute was called from the name of the ship in which the envoys were sailing, was the last public question in which Prince Albert, now for some time since called the Prince Consort, was engaged. After a few days' illness, he died at Windsor in December 1861 at the age of 42. The grief of the English nation was universal and spontaneous. Only gradually did the country come to learn that he had been King of England for twenty years while no one knew it. The American war affected England in two ways. First, the ordinary supply of cotton to our manufacturing districts was cut off, and a great distress was felt in Lancashire, which was known by the name of the Cotton Famine. The operatives displayed the utmost patience and self-control under their afflictions, and large subscriptions were contributed for their support. Lord Derby gave the services of his genius to the organization of relief, and cotton, the threads of which were of a shorter length, was provided from India. Before the American war was over, the worst pressure of distress had passed. The other trouble was of longer duration. A ship called the Alabama was fitted out from an English dockyard, notwithstanding the protest of the American ambassador, with the object of making war on American commerce in the interests of the southern states. The Americans felt that the negligence shown in not stopping this vessel expressed only too clearly the sympathies of England. They could not at this time do anything to prevent or to avenge the wrong, but when the war was over, a feeling of bitterness was left, which nearly led to an open rupture, and was with difficulty appeased. Lord Palmerston died in October 1865. The condition of parties during these closing years was remarkable. Popular throughout the country, the Premier was trusted equally by conservatives and liberals. The policy of a long life was the earnest of his liberalism, and at the same time he was known to be opposed to organic reform. The great questions which were agitated in later years now slumbered, and the reform of the representation which lay at the root of all other measures was deferred, with the admonition that the nation should rest and be thankful for what it had already achieved. A new election in the spring of 1865 returned a solid liberal majority with a few liberal losses, no loss, however, was so great as the premature death of Richard Cobden. Earl Russell succeeded Lord Palmerston as Premier. Mr. Gladstone became leader of the House of Commons. The ministry in other respects remained unchanged. The history of this administration is the history of the Liberal Reform Bill. The bill introduced by Mr. Gladstone in March 1866 gave the franchise to householders of the value of fourteen pounds in counties and seven pounds in boroughs. It was evidently a compromise, and was not heartily supported, either by the cabinet or by the party. A section of the liberals, called by Mr. Bright the Cave of Abdulam, joined the opposition in resisting it. 
and in June the ministry were defeated and resigned. They were succeeded by a conservative government, the principal members of which were Lord Derby and Mr. Disraeli. Book 7, Chapter 3, Mr. Disraeli Lord Derby promised a safe and moderate measure of reform. But the agitation throughout the country was very great. The war in Germany, which in six weeks made Prussia, instead of Austria, the dominant power in that country, passed almost unheeded. The somewhat cruel suppression of a rebellion in Jamaica by Governor Eyre was condemned by advanced liberals. The laying of a telegraph cable between Ireland and Newfoundland gave hope to those who wished for a union of affection between two mighty continents. But the desire for reform was unmistakable. In July the Reform League was forbidden to hold a meeting in Hyde Park, but the masses who had accompanied them threw down the railings and pushed back the police who would have barred their passage. The reform addresses of Gladstone and Bright were received with enthusiasm. At the beginning of the session of 1867, Mr. Disraeli proposed resolutions which were to be the basis of a reform bill. A considerable extension of the franchise was contemplated, limited by a system of plurality of votes. Parliament objected to this method, and it became necessary for ministers to agree in a definite measure. Of two alternative courses, the more liberal was adopted, but Lord Carnarvon, Lord Cranbourne, and General Peel could not accede to it and left the ministry. Mr. Disraeli expounded his measure in March. The proposed franchise was founded on rating and not on rental. The franchise in boroughs was given to all householders paying rates. In counties, it was given to occupiers of property rated at £15 a year. Besides this, the franchise was given to all men of certain education or who had saved a certain sum of money. In some cases, voters were allowed a double vote in respect of possessing a double qualification. The bill was violently opposed by Mr. Gladstone, who objected to its provisions in almost every particular. But the section of his party which formed the cave of Abdullam declined to follow him in procuring the defeat of the government. Notwithstanding this, the measure was gradually changed, piece by piece, until it was entirely altered. The abolition of compound householders, that is, of those whose rates were paid for them in the lump by their landlords, nearly quadrupled the number of voters. Lodgers were admitted to the franchise. The county franchise was reduced, and the distribution of seats was changed. The bill, as it was passed by both houses, weary with argument at the end of July, almost reached the limit of manhood suffrage. It had been passed by the Conservative Ministry, and Lord Derby described it as a leap in the dark. It was necessary that Parliament should meet again in the autumn of 1867 to vote supplies for an expedition to Abyssinia, undertaken to release some Englishmen who were kept in prison by the King. The prisoners were released, and Magdala, the King's capital, destroyed. Early in the session of 1868, Lord Derby resigned the premiership from bad health and was succeeded by Mr. Disraeli. It soon became obvious that the main point of struggle between the two parties would be the disestablishment of the Irish Church. At the end of March, 
Mr. Gladstone moved resolutions to that effect. The government had been defeated by small majorities before the Easter recess. In April it was beaten on the Irish church question by a majority of 85. Parliament was dissolved, and the result of the elections was a signal victory for the Liberals. The government did not wait for the opening of the session, but resigned their offices, and just before the close of 1868, Mr. Gladstone became Prime Minister. End of Section 7